0: Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the TMV Podcast. I am your host Haseeb Rizvi and today I'm joined by Shah Jahan Khan, the host and the storyteller of the King of the World Podcast. King of the World is a new podcast, it's more of a storytelling format and it's just amazingly produced. Uh, honestly, like the first 30 seconds I was just completely captured uh, by this podcast because it was just so well made like sound effects going on and everything like that it's just like really really uh, highly produced and you can really feel that straight away um, it basically talks about the experience of one muslim i.e Shah Jahan Khan in a post 9-11 world and what that basically meant for him going forward uh, it, it touches upon the the wider muslim experience and he speaks with various different guests he speaks to his own parents he speaks to uh, a therapist he speaks to um, school friends and stuff like this, and took basically talking about that whole experience and what took place after 9/11 for Muslims in America. Obviously, if you're listening to this, like me, you've probably also been affected by 9/11, and 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 know how it's affected your community and your family and, and your own beliefs and things like that. So this podcast was uh, released to mark the 20th anniversary of 9/11, and. Um, you should really go check it out is all I can say I'm going to leave a link for that in the, in the description below um, and in this podcast I speak to Shah Jahan about his own story and, and kind of like his own ideas and stuff like this so um, it's just really you know really good eye-opening conversation as you guys know I've moved to California recently and I'm just really intrigued by exploring the difference between the British Muslim experience and the American Muslim experience because it is big um, and so we kind of Delve into that a little bit as well. I'm going to stop waffling and let's jump straight into the podcast. Bismillah. This podcast, uh, for our listeners, um, is an amazing example of, of uh, Muslims with talent executing a project really creatively um, and, and with like fine detail. Um, King of the World podcast, I've been listening to it. I just told Shah Jahan, I've been listening to him pretty much for the last uh, seven hours now of my life. Um, just a really, really capturing uh, podcast, man. And just like an amazing story that's so relevant, so relatable. How did this project come about?
1: Yes, so um, my uh, business partner, uh, Asad Butt started this company, uh, Refelion Media, uh, towards the end of last year. And we grew up in the same uh, kind of Pakistani Community here in in the Boston area. He's a few years older, so I always joke that he was kind of like one of the older kids that I didn't really hang out with as much, or whatever, you know. But our parents are old friends from back in the day, and then you know after high school and stuff, we uh, after you know we both had graduated high school. I think um, we kept in touch. You know, we would see each other at the occasional function or shoddy or something, you know. But it, it wasn't like, but you know, he knew what I was up to in terms of all my stuff with music and um i i knew that he was involved with some media stuff too but basically yeah towards the end of last year uh he had started this company and as a test kind of started this other uh, more interview style show called American Muslim Project he had me on as a uh, one of the first guests and then after the the interview was over um he was like hey so i have this idea i've started this company i quit my job i'm trying to do this like crazy thing do you want to do this crazy thing with me would you want to like host your own show and it was a time in my life where I was also I think a lot of us were going through kind of like you know those of us that obviously were fortunate enough and healthy and everything we're doing some reevaluating during the um this whole COVID shit can I swear on here I mean it, it's gonna happen I'll try not to
0: traditionally it's not happened so I'll just give a warning to our listeners but I- I'm cool with
1: it I'll do my best just, I'll do my speak best speak how you gotta, gotta speak gotta, man I got okay. <laughs> so you know, it was just like, um, yeah, he. I, I needed to reevaluate kind of where I was at. I was a little creatively frustrated, you know. Um, music stuff hadn't been busy for a little while. I I was a uh, uh, working at this research company. Uh, I have a masters and stuff, and you know, I was doing doing the right thing, quote unquote, whatever that means. And I just it came at the right time, and yeah, he was just like just join me on this company you know i can at least pay you for a little while so i was like all right what's the worst that could happen and then in terms of um the idea itself for like a show based on my life and and all that like initially you know being it being the 20th anniversary of 911 and stuff my first reaction to doing a show about 9-11 was, I don't want any part of it. I don't ever want to talk about that in, in a centering kind of a way anymore. I th- I'm just so sick of it. I'm so sick of just all of the, you know, the baggage that, that comes with it. But we, you know, we we talked about it right kind of early on, thought about it in, in a way that was kind of framed around this coming of age aspect, you know, of being, uh, you know, about to turn 18 and being, you know, a whatever, uh, American, Muslim, Pakistani, musician, depressed person, person in addiction, like teenager, trying to figure themselves out. And then this, this thing happens. And once we started looking at it in that sense, and I basically, you know, we had like an Excel sheet where he was like, all right, between I want you to like one of the, my first assignments in the company was like, year by year between the year 2001. And, you know, now 2021, I want you to just... So, like, I'll put, you know, Asad was like, we'll put, like, the the global historical events that are going on, and on the other column, you just put what was happening in your life. Now, I've lived my life for the last 20 years. I was just, it's just very normal to me, you know, like, all the stuff that had happened, and he was like, this is pretty wild, like, that this is all stuff that you've been through, you know, with, like, my band, and with a lot of stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about in, in great detail. So, once we started to do that, it was pretty obvious, like, early on that, um, that we would, we might have like a unique but uniquely kind of important story to to tell here.
0: I think what struck me immediately within the first 30 seconds to a minute of listening to this was this overwhelming sense of relatability, because as as Muslims in the West, broadly, right, because obviously you've done it from the perspective of a Muslim in America, but we've shared a similar experience, even though we're so far away from each other, you know, physically and geographically. And even Muslims, like we've had discussions in the, in the, in the, in the office before where we've said, what's the experience been like for Muslims in Muslim countries? We we don't even we, that's we as Western Muslims right that are like children of, of migrant families, almost forget about that generation right. Although you probably connected with them because you went to Pakistan and you 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 spent some time there. So it's all just so interesting to me when 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 this kind of discussion happens because I'm so intrigued by like the collective Muslim experience and like the different uh, ways it's manifested itself. One of the the things and, and so just again to remind our listeners so this podcast basically. Is, pretty much starts with 9-11 um, and, and just like maybe a few years uh, before um, the, the events of 9-11, Shah Jahan tells his story of where he was at in life just as, a, as like a normal, you know, Muslim-American, Pakistani-American, Pakistani Muslim, this thing in, in a very white area, a very white kind of neighborhood, white town, white city in America uh, from a Pakistani background. And 9-11 happens and and he talks about the things that he's now had to experience, and so I'm one hundred and fifty percent sure that everyone listening to this podcast right now, all three hundred of you, you will know what that moment was, right? Where everyone's got a kind of like, where was you when nine eleven happened? Moment, strangely, um, and I think for Muslims, it's it's so much more pronounced it's so much more pronounced like I can remember remember that week so vividly 9-11 was a turning point for all Muslims tell us a little bit more about and I guess like obviously people can listen to the podcast but I want to kind of hear it from you like how do you feel like it affected your life
1: yeah I think I think that um one thing that comes up in that in that first episode is it it immediately forced this you know so as a as a Pakistani, as a Muslim, as an American first generation, whatever, you know, you're, you're wrestling with all these, these different parts of who you are. Um, so this is, it's definitely a show about identity and, you know, and i just, so people know, like it's a narrative series, you know, like we interviews kind of go in and out. My family's in there, my friends, my, you know, my, my bandmates, but we also talk with historians and actors and stuff, but it forced something into the, f- in terms of how people saw me, at least where I was, and and the way that I perceived that they saw me, uh, it just kind of like made my outward appearance the most important thing about me right away. When it was, I sort of grew up, and you know, in a way, was hiding in different ways in this in this town, you know, that I was uh, that I was growing up in. Um, so that's like the first thing I think that comes to mind. Beyond that, uh, there's also kind of um. I think that, and I'm speaking for me, like, you know, you go into this, just, it was the first, in my case, because I was, so I was a month away from turning 18, right? That's kind of where the first episode starts. Uh, I was a month away from turning 18. I was at the beginning of a pretty serious, um, about to be for the next 10 years, substance abuse problem. I was, uh, uh, you know, mental health, I'll use that term broadly in terms of depression, uh, clinical depression and, um, you know, uh, a lot of issues like with that that I go into as well. So I was kind of like becoming about to sort of like, and it was my last year of high school where in my town, you know, you basically go to college and, or, you you know, or you find a job and you're supposed to just start to, you're just supposed to figure stuff out, you know, in the way that like I think in this society or whatever, you're just supposed to turn 18 and magically know like what the hell you're supposed to do for the, but but anyway. Um, so these are the things that like I was kind of wrestling with on that day. And then this thing happens, which is totally has nothing to do with you, but you are now responsible for it in a way in the eyes of other people. So I think that's, that's the part that, um, I think, and maybe it's not, it, it's, it's for sure the, the, the thing that I think that Muslims probably can relate to about that particular episode, but just about this, this experience of just all of a sudden being asked to, and, and in the show also, in the, uh, we talked to a Muslim psychiatrist, actually, uh, it's a seven part series. So the, on the last episode, she says this one thing, which still sticks with me to this day where she's like, nine eleven 11 forced us to like, you know, apologize for something we had nothing to do with. So that those are the kind of things that and those visceral yeah I can still remember what that's like and then this this pivotal thing happened to me that the very next day I went to school and these three kids sort of asked me like hey what did your people do you know and so that for me that that experience was like the and I had to be honest about this when we were making plan again you know I didn't want to do this show initially but when I really thought about like what was the single most defining moment of my life you know, I could say 9/11, but really it was the day after when those three kids asked me that question.
0: Oh, yes, yesterday when I was listening to that specific moment, I wrote down in my notes 12th of September, September 12th. That's that. That's the key date. That's when, because that's uh, that's the day after when everything actually changed. The morning after you woke up from that moment is when things changed. I'll share. I'll share. I'll share with you my September 12th. Um, so I just started what you guys would call high school. Um, it's, it's, it's literally day two, right? So the first day was like a half day, right? Just kind of like orientation, as you as you guys call it in America. So it's September eleventh, and um, I've come home from like my brief one two hours in the morning, and opened the TV. Uh, my mum's my mom's like a big news junkie, so the news was already on, and now I'm kind of seeing this thing unfold in front of me, all right. So when I come home, only one plane has struck the tower. The second one hasn't actually uh, been attacked yet. And I'm watching this live. It happens the day, hour, like minute by minute uh, reporting now of like the other attacks taking place. And it's like I'm intensely gripped and I'm still in my school uniform. Um, And I'm just like sat there, right? Just like very, very intently watching. And... I can kind of recall like my mum's like political framing of what's happening right as as, you know things are being said right I don't know about much about your family but like I feel like in a lot of Desi families they talk about politics right so like that's like dinner table conversation is what's happening in the news uh, what's happening to Muslims around the world that's kind of like what's discussed and that's what's kind of vibe in the household so I've kind of absorbed a lot of this conversation. I turned up to school the next day and for some reason, my school, school thought it was a good idea to do a fire alarm test on that day, right? I, I kind of get it, but it was also a bit <laughs> alarming, right? Like, as in it was a bit like, uh, you know, and it's the first day of actual starting the day of school, right? So it's like, it's, it's a lot going on, right? And All these, like, 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds, like... I was 11 actually, 11 year olds so we're in line and naturally now all the kids are talking about what happened yesterday oh it's really bad oh it was the Muslims that did it, it was the Arabs that did it that had already now entered the new cycle okay, because within 24 hours it was a whole Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, boom, straight away right now obviously I wouldn't do this again but and this is kind of like who I've always really been as an individual, the first thing I say is good. America deserved it for what they've done to other Muslims around the world. Now they're finally getting a taste of their own medicine. That was my rhetoric. Um, not saying I necessarily hold those views or, or think that what I said at the time was appropriate or you know emotionally intelligent in any way. That, but that was, mm-hmm. that was the, the posture that I had
1: uh, assumed. It's amazing as an 11-year-old, I'm, I'm oh just yeah we were deeply political yeah.
0: man yeah no no okay. our family was yeah. like yeah we were big on the like the politics and stuff so as
1: a kid yeah. like I was like for like, me I wasn't right my dad was uh, yeah and everybody hated and he was a standard it was a standard you go to the party the uncles are talking about politics everybody else isn't but on September 12th that's when I you know what uh, I mean exactly
0: exactly yeah. and prior to that I had, I'd always been as a kid you know the, the the one kid that sits with the uncles whilst they're talking about the news
1: yeah <laughs> So <laughs> like I, I was okay. just always
0: intrigued by because my, my parents didn't really let us watch like cartoons or do like silly kid stuff, right? Yeah. So in a way, we kind of matured and we were very aware very early on. Like I mm. remember in like year three, which is like just above kindergarten, I had a whole exchange with my teacher about her being racist to me and my, my black mm. friend. Like it was an actual thing. Wow. Like it went all the way to the head teachers and me and my black friend were fully <laughs> aware at the time that we're not, she's, she's actually picking us out because I'm brown and he's black. Yeah. Um so so anyway so that that happened. Now I may hold a record in the UK for the earliest school suspension, school exclusion considering that was day 1. Wow. Yeah, the the head teacher so came they, they suspended
1: said, you at 11 for that?
0: Yeah, that was wow. that was the first day of school. First day of school. Damn. September yep. the 12th, I got excluded from school for saying this. Okay? Hmm. Now, again, I understand, right? Like, I understand why. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, something that really, really got me the day after was a girl in that line, her uncle had died in one of the towers. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that was a very early lesson for me to learn that, hold on, you don't just go about spouting your political views insensitively. Like, I realized that mm-hmm. immediately and apologized.
1: And it also speaks to the the inherently conflicted nature of the whole thing, right?
0: Well, this just, is where it begins.
1: R- yeah, you know,
0: and yeah. so that set off for me the next X many years that's now led us to launching the Muslim vibe. Technically yeah. speaking, you can kind of trace it back to September the twelfth.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: One of the things that you that I think the show really is about is is I guess identity. Yes. It really is about this idea of identity, how we perceive ourselves, how the world perceives us. Um, how our families perceive us, and 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 community, and and society, and there's so many kind of um, aspects of it, right? Because what is it? You know, for me, you mentioned that at your at that age, you would describe yourself as a American Pakistani, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or an American from like so Pakistani American, but less so the the Muslim part. Yeah, but for me, it was I'm a. It was Muslim foremost, but hmm. I was actually comfortable with labeling myself as a British Muslim. Okay. And the Pakistani identity didn't really stick that much. Hmm. Because where, like, where we're from, especially in London. So all my London listeners will know this. Like, you know, you'll end up, you can end up very easily in parts of London where white people are the minority. Yes. And then there's this kind of rich diversity of Pakistanis, Bangladeshis, Indians, Afghans, Somalians, Ghanaians, Nigerians. It's it's yeah. very, very diverse like that, right? And so mm. when I was listening to your podcast and you're talking about being in this kind of like white, almost like cookie cutter area of, yeah. um, of Boston, on the suburbs of Boston, I guess it kind of just opened my mind, right, to the different experiences that we have. Um, yeah. Take me back more to that to that that period of time and and kind of like um, some of the challenges that you faced in that in that area.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So um, you know, again, one of my uh, favorite parts of doing this show was actually talking to my parents and my family. You know, and and you know, obviously they're they know me very well. They they know a lot of my struggles and stuff. But doing it in this kind of a forum brought out stuff that I didn't know uh, for sure. So like I you know. One example I'll give you that, that uh, in the first episode, my mom, you know, talks about all the pressure that she felt being in this town, you know, not kind of being one of these these parents that quote unquote have it all figured out and just, just the pressure of trying to like, and being in, in this, you know, having a kid who's anathema to sports and stuff in this very jockey sports based town and just, and also, and so I just hadn't realized this because to me... Someone like my mom, she has her her partitioned community. You know, she's got her Daisy community and stuff. And like, so how could? So, I, I don't know. I never would have thought that she felt so as much of an outsider as she did because I I just didn't know that growing up. Uh, similarly, so I'm the eldest of three. Uh, I have two younger sisters, uh, and we all I think all three of us have very different relationships with with identity, and, and we go into all of this at different points through the through the show. One of my favorite parts of the series is this sort of extended discussion that me and my youngest sister, Noor Jahan, just have about our names and some stuff comes up that like, you know, so my name was abbreviated as Saj because basically white people couldn't pronounce Shah Jahan, even though you and I were talking before the interview started about names that are phonetically, like if you just read it, it's pretty obvious what it is. But from day one, I, I was embarrassed of my name. And I was that kid who, whose parents would call, right, and ask, they would ask, like, hey, can we talk to Saj? And my dad would be on the phone, kind of like you were saying, being like, yes, Shah Jahan is here. You know, this name that I, I like, you know, struggled to find this, like, bad at, like, but yeah. So, I mean, at that, in that basic sense, just, and I, I think everybody has a different relationship to this. Obviously, like, I've met people from all over the spectrum. I'm just talking about, for me specifically, I think 30, looking back on it, 20 years, you know, since it happened, I feel like the fact that I couldn't even correct people into like pronouncing my own name correctly is like a thing. There's something to that, you know, and I have I've had a lot of therapy, you know, to to, to talk about that stuff. I, I talked to a therapist on this show, too. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of where I was coming from. Yeah, all friends, mostly white, you know, maybe two or three brown people in the entire town at that point. Um. Things have changed quite a bit since then. I actually was—I was, uh, I was in, because of this podcast. Uh, my old middle school uh, and high school, and a bunch of other places, have added it to their curriculums, you know. And now, that very same middle school uh, is doing an, an entire unit on Islamophobia. So I was just there about a month ago, kind of giving a little presentation to to these kids and looking out in the audience and seeing, you know, still I would say majority. 80% white faces, but that's different than like 99%, you know what I mean? So, and just the fact that I'm there talking about this stuff is, is pretty wild. But yeah, that, that's kind of the the, the the town that I grew up in, Boxborough next to it, Acton. Uh, it's very, very colonial America, you know, this, and I, I go into this history a bit too, just that's kind of where we grew up in this very like American revolutionary history. Our mascot is called the Colonials. They just changed it this year because they realized that hey maybe that's not the greatest name for a fucking you know um but these things were just so ingrained in the in you know in the identity of 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 me of our town of of kind of the people everywhere so that that's where I was coming from but then that's also having this sorry I didn't, go ahead
0: no no go on go go ahead
1: i just, but then also having of you know on the weekends a very rich pakistani thing you know like a, a we would go to the mosque and go to sunday school but for me that dualness not quite fitting. Whereas I think for a lot of kids it was, I'm not going to say easy, but it was maybe easier that they they just felt, my sister, for example, Muddyam, I think felt, and she says this too, that she felt a little bit more, just had more Desi friends, you know, and just was able to identify with them more, you know, and I think for me also, for whatever reason at that time when I was getting into the things that I was interested in, like rock music and guitars, I just didn't really see that as like, what those, you know, the people that I was at least interacting with were into and stuff. So
0: it's interesting because I feel like everyone will have like um it'll be like a spectrum, I guess, between kind of my experience, which was like extremely diverse to the point where like Muslims were just part of the fabric of of that community. To give yeah, I mean. and That's it's society, like not a like, thing,
1: right? Like, it's it's like Shah Jahan. Like you have to
0: understand that there's parts of East London where you will struggle to find a place that doesn't do halal food, mm. right? And I can imagine that being completely different to your experience. Like right now, I'm in California, right? Yeah. And so I'm having like crazy culture shocks. I'm like, why can't I go to KFC and eat it? Why is <laughs> Why is the KFC here not halal? Like what's going on? Like wh- wh- what do I have to do to get some fried chicken? And there's chicken places,
1: there? I mean, for sure, I was in Jackson Heights in New York a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, that wasn't, that's a, that's, much more akin to the kind of world you're talking about but I didn't know and it's I think this speaks to also a lot of different stuff like class differences for sure and this idea that like desi is even like one thing you know and like but yeah I didn't mean to to interrupt what you were saying
0: so basically from that period in the UK what was happening was this kind of at first I feel like there was about five six seven years perhaps of I'll say a decade actually, like all the way up to 2020, 2010, this very commonplace behavior of being apologetically Muslim. Yes. Right? This kind of like, oh, like writing glorious Facebook statuses about how we condemn terrorism and Islam yes. does not. Yes, yes. And that classic, pulling out that classic verse from the Quran, saving one life is like saving it's humanity. Like saving, yeah. And say like killing one life is killing all humanity. Yeah. Copy and paste, paraphrasing, and I think after a while, everyone was just like, "Nah, sack this man!" Like, is in what's going on here? Like, this is getting ridiculous mm-hmm. now. Every single time, you know, a terrorist attack happens, Muslims look at each other and say, "Oh God, is it a Muslim?" Right? Yeah. And if it's not a Muslim, it's not even called a terrorist attack. It's just called a what? Well, <laughs> it's just called a, a lone wolf attack. And it, the yeah. same memes come out the, the the meme from the fat guy The fat guy holding up the color chart And it's just like yeah. This routine That's just like We've become like traumatized And just like so routine to Right And then I think There just came a time Where The Muslim identity Had endured enough Like millennials Had essentially Been battle hardened For 10 years now Of, of the same yeah. and, and now that you've sworn I can say it as well the, the same shit basically Everyone's just like Ah, oh, come on you know like we're done now sorry no apologies i don't care no i'm not yeah. gonna apologize for being a uh, for for being a muslim i'm not even gonna apologize for being a wahhabi i'm not even gonna apologize for being a salafi whatever these are my beliefs this is the quran that i believe in yes i do think sharia law is a better way to live i'm not imposing it on you just leave me alone i want my halal food i'm gonna pray i'm gonna do my taxes do you get what i mean it was just like yeah there was this like this confidence that then I guess in the last ten years has started to uh, develop. What would you say your experience has been like from from that point to to where you are now?
1: In in what sense?
0: In moving from this kind of unsure and apologetic kind of position for for your Muslim identity towards now, where it's like, look, this is just what happened. I, it is what it is. I'm I'm a Muslim. You know, I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah,
1: I think um. So for me, it, it was a very slow, gradual, you know, so it's even in some ways in this last year that I've been working on this show has itself been sort of a continuation of therapy of all sorts of things, you know, um, but I think that the idea that it's something that I can sort of be all of these things and that's okay versus, oh shit, I'm not just like one thing, you know, like what the hell, you know, where do I fit in? And so that's something that's, Gotten easier. I think that, um, and you know, we have, you know, different episodes that talk about this in different ways. Like we have one which is focused specifically on, for example, representation and media and stuff. A big conversation that's, I think, it's, it's been happening for, for a long time. But just in terms of, I would say in the last five to 10 years, I think, um, a lot of headway has been made there. You know, I, I think that, uh, in some ways, for example, I would consider my, uh, my band caminas in the kind of like post uh 2001 era in that first sort of wave of yeah just like of trying to to trying to figure out like what are the things we say like what are the interviews we do uh when is it that we just don't give a shit and just say this is who we are you know what i mean so i think that like being part of that first wave seeing the and i talk about this also in in uh, throughout the show is just seeing the kind of like, oh, this is what happens when you talk about yourself to the white press in the white way and how they kind of turn that around on you and and how it can limit you and not all good, you know, things that whatever people have been talking about since time immemorial, you know, not all good press. I mean, some people think that all good press is press. Or, or I'm probably saying the thing wrong. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, but in terms of where I'm at now, um... I think I'm just more comfortable with, uh, with the journey. I'm more, uh, so I have this argument with my dad all the time. My dad is, you know, again, a featured, uh, heavily in in the show. He's someone who is, I would say, you know, I think rightfully makes sense. So he's a, um, kind of the first generation post 1960s whatever that immigration act was that was passed when they wanted to, when America was like, Oh, just kidding. We do want the Brown people if they like can be our engineers and shit, you know what I mean? Uh, so the brain drain or whatever they call it. So he's in that first wave. He's still someone who he, he is literally the person and was for many years at our masjid who the media, who was like the, you know, he was the president, but he was also like the media liaison. He was always the one who was like, no, no, come see us. See, we're normal just like you. And, giving all those interviews and he's still somebody that i think to his core does believe in the um the basic humanity of people you know and and i i've i've grown to be a little less like (laughs) you can only be in your face i think with your parents for for so long but in terms of uh meeting him at his level you know like he always tells this story of you know um after there was this uh this group called like the Westboro Baptist Church back and the, they came and did this they were they were planning this demonstration outside of the Masjid um again you know anti-islam thing and they had maybe 15 people show up but like a thousand high school kids from the community so it was like yeah those 15 people are awful but look at look at them look at the majority you know look at all these people that on 9 11 like the local synagogue and church all gave us sanctuary like in the, and it's like I think it's in a way both of us are right there. You know that I think it's it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, and it doesn't. What he's saying doesn't invalidate me when I'm like, dude, don't talk to the police. Don't fucking let them put informants and shit in the mosque. But like, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It's in the middle.
0: Yeah, it's like um, what I'd say is like a difference between a stance and a posture, right? Like, is in it's not yeah a different stance, it's just a different posture, and we and we need both things, right? Like, you need yeah. that kind of you know more wiser, a bit more calmer, you know, a bit more well mannered, you know, a bit more kind yeah. of accepting branch of Muslims saying, hey, look, guys. We're all about peace. Let's hand out some flowers. Let's hand out some food yeah. to homeless people and make a show of the fact that this is what Islam is. And you need that. That is a good thing ultimately, right? Yeah. But then you also need the, you know, the, I always describe it as like the Malcolm X versus the, the Martin Luther King approach, right? Right. So you need both. It's not, it's not the case that one invalidates the other. It's just it's just a it's yeah. just a flavor and, and lane that we have to choose, right? It's like what yeah. do you think is going to be most effective for us right
1: yeah and i think another thing i've i've seen in my in my lifetime i guess in my career is just the now we're like we have more um like you know even your the show that you're doing even the like company that we have like we have all of these voices that were you know instead of waiting for them to like talk about us in the right way we're just doing it ourselves, just saying do ourselves. Like, Yo, we're, Let's do yeah we're just like making 100%. our own stuff so 100
0: yeah. I, th- I think also like the the kind of growth of social media and things like this and the internet in general has really like connected muslim experiences around the world and you from like neighborhoods right so obviously back at like 20 years ago you living in like a white neighborhood Mm-hmm. you were a lot more isolated, right? Like you were, you know, yeah. the people on the MSN were still just people that you went you went to some yeah. high school
1: with. Dude, one of my first big culture shocks, we're talking about, you know, you and I was going to the UK, like, and realizing all of a sudden that, oh, wait a minute, my kind of brownness might not be your kind. And I'm, you know, I'm embarrassed in some ways to say that I was, what, 20, 22 or 23 on our first uh, tour of the UK. We were invited to play that Meltdown Festival in 2010. Um, because, oh, we, the kaminas are all the rage at being these like quote unquote Muslim punks in the U S press. And so that's kind of why they invited us to play the fact we didn't know this at the time, but like, that's kind of why they invited us. But anyway, so we're, you know, and going and being like, oh, wait a minute. Like I thought my identity or whatever was tied to everybody that looked like me, but no, wait a minute. Like that doesn't, it doesn't give me, you know, yeah, it's just not the same experience for sure. And I'll never forget. Yeah. That first trip to to london specifically east london was just super eye-opening and you know i still have a lot of dear friends from that time but but yeah 100 percent.
0: i I've, i'm having and I'm, i mean i've had a, a six-year-long culture shock um because because i got married to my wife who's uh californian american right part of california are you in south california southern california so just like outside of l.a
1: Okay. All
0: right. Um, and and again, there's a big difference between Northern California and Southern California. Yeah, I'm sure man. you're aware. Yeah, right?
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So so I remember like when we first started talking, you know, you talk about like your high school stories and stuff like that, and I'm I'm just like, visually I can't I can't visualize it. So whenever I'm trying to visualize her saying, "Oh, I went to college," I'm I'm straight up I'm just thinking all the Hollywood films that I've seen you know karate <laughs> kid the, the lockers slamming books on the floor like that's that's what's coming to my mind right so like that's how i can visualize it do you get what i mean yeah. right yeah um and we're talking about you know like um our like muslim experiences and like how vividly different they just are you know like as in for muslims in america tuna subway means a lot
1: mm-hmm.
0: right but for Muslims in the UK, that's not even a, like much of a consideration because there's so many subways, in. I'm talking about food because I'm hungry. But this is this. There's so many subways in 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 the UK that are just halal. So it's just like that's not. Do you get what I mean, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
0: Little things like that is what changes, like you know, identity changes, like your your narrative about yourself as well, because it's just so vividly different.
1: Yeah. Even musically, I remember meeting, you know, people like uh, Aki Nawaz from Fundamental and, and, you know, realizing that like, hey, we were not the first people to do this shit at all. You know, like people have been talking about this stuff for decades before us. It's just, yeah. So, I, yeah, that that I totally get what you're saying.
0: I feel like music is a very interesting cultural asset. It's yeah. A very fancy way of saying music. I've recently, uh, we did a poll on, um, on, on, the, on the Muslim Vibe with our followers and stuff on Instagram and Twitter. Just trying to have a frank conversation about music, right? Because there's this kind of like nervousness around it, but everyone's really listening to some form of music, one way or the other, right? But there's just kind of like,
1: you mean in you know? terms of like the Muslim music thing?
0: Yeah. Well, no, no, not even just oh, Muslim music, okay, okay. but like Muslims listening to you know Ariana Grande or like you know that you
1: know. Oh, okay. Justin
0: okay. Bieber. I don't. I don't even know who who's, who's relevant at the moment. Right? Zayn Malik. <laughs> Zayn Malik. Love Zayn. Right? Loves Zayn. So so music's always been happening, right? Yeah. And especially as like I'll say like the vast majority of Muslims in America and Canada and and the UK are from a southern asian background right yeah so bollywood was as my father would probably say
1: i mean a lot of music literally comes from where we come from yeah 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 exactly right it comes from
0: our poetry comes from our kawalis and stuff like that right it's an interesting conversation to be had so i was like you know music is something that we've all kind of grown up with there's been this somewhat religious revolution within a lot of muslim families which is kind of like disavow any sense of culture now because mm-hmm. we need to be muslim first and foremost that right. correction arguably probably needed to take place and we, we we were forced to take it because the world was asking us about our religious beliefs now not our cultural inputs and and uh, you know right. ideas right we were squarely being asked you're a Muslim, what do you have to say about terrorism? So we actually had to go and start reading the Quran and learning and, and, and becoming religious like as a result, right? Yeah. Um so that, that kind of interesting thing happened. But in the process of that, what I feel has happened is um culture was sidelined. Okay? And this yes. may be Yes This may be a minority experience in the US and but I would say it's quite a, a big one in the UK. And that's just because American culture and British culture are, are different. Yes, um, absolutely. What happened is culture became this like dirty word almost, right? Like, hmm. you know, screw culture, just focus purely on Islam. And music went with that,
1: hmm.
0: right? Because the only music we were listening to at that time was Bollywood songs and, and, and nonsense, essentially. But what's also kind of taken place in the last 20 years is things like for example uh, i mean to be fair it pre exists 20 years but like things like con- conscious rap and hip-hop right mm-hmm. uh, whatever that means so that became now a space where you would find a lot of muslim rappers openly owning their identity and rapping about it mm-hmm. in the uk and in since the, United the States. i mean since the inception since since, since, since the inception, inception of, of hip-hop. hip-hop yeah but then there yeah. was a wave that became a lot more pronounced i yeah. forgot these guys's name yeah. they're were, they were like a, a group from morocco i forgot their name now they used to have some really nice songs back in like 20... 2000s.
1: I'm, I can't think of it off the yeah, top. Right uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll all remember
0: it. But they were like a semi hip hop pop, pop kind of thing, right? Yeah. And then at the same time now, there became this emergence of Muslim nasheed artists, right? Oh, Where right. It was okay. Squarely this kind of stuff like so you'd have sami yusuf you would have yeah. um maher zain can i tell theme.
1: you a hilarious a hilarious story really Please quickly, do. i was just i was on my family's whatsapp group my, with pakistan so we have like i'm sure you can relate there's the one which is just the cousins then there's the group which is the whole family yeah, yeah. so in chaos. that my khala she um yeah total chaos total you know misinformation about everything she posted a video of, so back, I don't know if you remember this. In uh, right before he died, uh, there was a rumor that Michael Jackson had converted to Islam. And there was this video circulating that appeared to show him singing like a knot or a nasheed or something. And it actually was somebody, it wasn't him, it was like disproven. But every couple of years or whatever, it just like comes back. It makes up. his way up. So I've somehow missed that. Yeah. I've it's, somehow it's missed inc- that. Can I'll you... send it to you. I'll send it Please to you. Please forward that to me. Like that. that's 100%. invaluable. Yeah, it's, sorry. I just had to tell that story. No, that's no, no. A little while ago, <laughs> and I had to be oh, like, oh, "Sorry, Kala, I hate to burst your bubble. Oh, it's not Michael Jackson." <laughs> but honestly, honestly, I'm glad send, that send me, send it, me, send me. I might even try and edit into the actual clip of this podcast. <laughs> okay.
0: No, so so the music, the music experience, I think, is is, is quite interesting, um, and and that, for example, that's been a really big part, an integral part of of your. Your life. Yes. So tell me more about like how... Because punk music... Er, way, early punk, life. Punk even from, from kind of birth.
1: Stuff. Even before any of that. Before the band. I mean, my, my father is the reason I am a musician, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I grew up listening to Kowali's, you know, and to um, equal equal parts Johnny Cash and Chuck Berry as Nusrat Ali Khan, as, uh, you know, just you name it, artists from uh, Indian classical music from... Uh, from the subcontinent or, or what about and classical music or quote unquote European classical music as they say um but yeah so I mean it's just such a integral. and you know my first influences outside of like you know whatever rock music here in the U.S. were like Janoon in Pakistan was a huge influence of mine like yeah and I, I you know I can still probably around play with the keyboards Oh well, for me it was because he was the first. Uh, he was like the uh, guitar thing uh, in Janoon. But that was so. You're probably thinking of Vital Signs, which was the precursor to Janoon. They were. No, they no, were kind I, of the I more...
0: remember. I remember Janoon. The Janoon. The, yeah. There was like I think it was two of them, right?
1: There's three technically. Uh, Tupac but they all had the long
0: there. curly hair and and the box yeah. beard. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. yeah I for them. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. go-to. Yeah.
1: I remember so,
0: the. I, mean, I remember the album cover. It was like a sand dune. Yeah.
1: Of course. Yeah. And um but yes. And I mean, it was my parents that put me into piano lessons when I was seven, you know? So, uh, yeah, music is just, it's always been kind of, kind of part of me and and it's, I've never felt any, uh, disconnect there. And I think I touched upon this in my, in the podcast as well, that like music was always the, the one place where all of that outside stuff didn't matter. You know, like I could be like a, it was it was me. It was all me, and it was like all of myself in that. And that's still you know. And I'm not saying I didn't. I I had some struggles with that too, uh, as you'll hear throughout the show. But but that's always something I've returned to. It's always been a um, yeah, kind of like a reminder. And and any time I I lose my way too much, it's always the thing that brings me back.
0: So when we asked our um, uh, readers about music and the kind of like engagement with it what I, what i found interesting is that cuz i kind of phrased it in a way i took the sting out of it i was like look, we're not going to judge you you know like <laughs> relax we're not here to judge you we just want to know what's going on where you're listening to it what type of music you're listening to you know who your favorite artists are and stuff like that right and 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 the reason why i'm touching upon it is because i feel like music is cultures widely but music specifically is a very useful tool to Change how a people feel about themselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, like it's you know when used correctly, right? So obviously, there's mind-numbing stuff which is just there, just to kind of make you space out into a complete different distraction. Which you know, each to their own. Um, but then there's more kind of um, there's more deliberate. i will say it's more like a higher form of the art of music, right? Which Islamically, there's a lot of heritage and there's a lot of history attached to So for example, as Southern Asian Muslims, right, from India and Pakistan, like, Qawwali is actually like a deep, like it's a very important and integral part of how that area of the world converted and accepted Islam. Um, So I'm I'm glad you actually touched upon listening to Qawalis because that's also one of my kind of like uh, early memories of, of like experiencing a thing and recently i even decided i'm going to start introducing Kowali's to my daughter so she, for the last year since the pandemic she's just become like heavy on the on the koalis. like you'll see her in the back of the car like yeah. swinging her head and stuff like that And i was like you know yeah, it's yeah, important yeah. because it's part of our heritage these words aren't anything bad these 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 are literally like drawing you closer towards um uh, no, and there's also
1: stuff in there about people wrestling with all sorts of things identity with religion exactly. with um society you know So yeah, I think what's, um, Riz says this a lot in interviews, uh, Riz Ahmed, where he says, you know, he's always interested in stretching culture and the definition of like what that is. So that's something I've always, I've always related to.
0: How, what's your views uh, more widely on the the debate and discussion around Muslim representation in the mainstream? Like in films and TV and stuff like
1: that? I mean, I think that it's, it's, it's happening literally, you know, it's, Definitely, we're seeing a um, something I ne- I never really expected to see in my lifetime. Where you know you have shows. I mean, I'll, I'll a show like Man Like Mobin. Did you watch that show?
0: Amazing show.
1: One of Amazing my show. favorite shows I have Amazing ever show. seen. He done such my a good life. job of that. I know I could probably cite a million yeah, other he examples. He done such a good of,
0: job. I really want to get him on this podcast, man.
1: Yeah, man, dude. When I saw that show last summer, I just, and for anybody that hasn't seen it, it's just, it's, it's just like life. And it's kind of like wacky, but it's kind of brings you into, to being a brummy, right? And just 100%. like, 100%. and just what that is. And just seeing, seeing some, the way that they handle st- Like for me, growing up as a kid, and I touch upon this in, in our show on representation as well, where, We were grasping at straws for stuff, right? So for us, uh, another uh, one of my uh, uh, really close friends, uh, Taz Emmett, she was on the show. Just talking about how as shitty as Aladdin... or I'm sorry, as as I can say Aladdin, right? I probably should say that. Uh, As shitty as that was for us, it was still like, oh, that is... it. It's cool, you know, like, it's kind of cool that it's out there. I know it doesn't have... But now... Like, it, it's it's amazing that now, like, people can look at it and be like, no, like, it's limited and, like, we should grow... So I'm just saying, like, coming from somebody who had that, who had, like, who from The Simpsons, you know, who had maybe a handful of, like, um, Muslim characters that were all probably vapid stereotypes in some way, to go from that to then see a show like Man Like Mubeen, uh in the UK, it's just a... it's a complete, like, complete 180. Uh, I think it's... And we were touching on this before, just just having uh, the Muslim uh, voice now not just uh, having them on the other side of the camera or on the other side of the art or on the other side of the company, or you know what I mean? Just like that's something which is truly that thing which will uh, stretch culture, I guess, like what we were talking about earlier. So I think it's super important. I think, yeah, I think it's just important to also live in discomfort and have that be okay for people you know whether that's like us talking about white people whether that's like intercommunity stuff you know whether you know if it's like oh i don't like uh this isn't this isn't my kind of you know whatever like it's still good that it exists type you know what i mean um i don't know if that, if that fully answers the, the the question that you would ask
0: no it fully does because like one of the things that's like frustrated me so much is that obviously In the past twenty years, as as, you know, a Muslim uh, population that's been kind of been put in this position, right, to defend Islam and to kind of formulate what your Western Muslim identity actually means. Do you say Muslim in the West, or do you say Western Muslim? Do you say British Muslim or Muslim? You know, I mean, like all these conversations and stuff like that, right? Like, ultimately, whether you like it or not, it's expressed through culture. Yes. And I feel like oftentimes we we get so frustrated about how we're portrayed, right? We exert so much energy into complaining about it, mm. but do very little as a community to create the content, the cultural fluff that society needs to change that public perception of you that you know is wrong about,
1: you know? Mm. I think I, I would push back a little bit on that. Just I think that there has, has been a lot and it's it's been very different. And that you see it now and I would say specifically in the last five to ten years and now all this stuff, whatever the stuff is we're talking about is out there. But I think that there was a lot of kind of unheard voices back in the day that were trying to push for this stuff and we're coming up against um, a lot of walls that um, through... It didn't just happen overnight, you know. That like we can, Riz is like the biggest movie star on the planet. You know what I mean? Like it, it that it was a long, hard road. So I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with. I think the net of what you're saying. I think I just I felt a little, um, like I wanted to, I don't know, be like, yeah, well. It, we, there was a lot going on, and there has been, yeah. No, type I mean, you know that, what is, I mean? That,
0: that is true, that
1: is true. because there's the so is, many it's... different levels, right? There's so many different levels. If let's just take Hollywood, for example, of like if it's okay, if we're coming from a white male dominated thing, right, to then even have like a, a female voice in there, and then for that, for, to, for there, there to be like voices of color that are behind the camera, and then for there now, this none of this excuses any of it, right? But it's just like it's been a very long um, gradual... And it's funny, like, I had this this discussion with um, my bandmate a little while ago that when it comes to... So, specifically with, like... Um, so, when I was growing up, right, like in the 90s and stuff, like, there was actually a lot of content related to, like, the black experience in the, U- in the U.S. There was, like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. There was Family Matters. There was all these shows... But I think the difference was that the the creators and the writers were still white, right? They were still overwhelmingly male and white. And there weren't, like, POC-owned studios and companies and stuff. So I—obviously, I, I, I'm not—you know, this isn't, like—I don't have all the facts in front of me. But I think the difference now is that through, like, you know, through just, like, relentless— and now with technology the way it is, literally, you can just, like, make your own shit, too— um, I think that 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 is, that is definitely like made a difference.
0: Does that make sense? Obviously, those collectively, that thing has made a difference. What I'm saying is that as a community, there's still this kind of like back and forth song and dance that takes place when anyone even tries, right? I so see. with Riz Ahmed, they're of course, like yeah, doing an amazing job. But there's going to be a... And it's not a small minority. I wouldn't even call it a minority, honestly. It might even be the majority opinion, which is that, hey, Riz Ahmed, it's all well and good you talking about Muslim representation, but why don't you star in a film where we can see you praying or going to Hajj? Why are you in a film that is, you know, that you're you're doing something inappropriate with a female actor, whatever, right? There's now this unfair expectation that anyone trying to do anything or change and like it's not even like they they have to be on some sort of like this mission to like change the world for islam yeah yeah do you get what i mean like some sort of it's interesting with that
1: specific example and also i wanted to actually ask you like how do you see it in the uk because i know that he for example expressed that like he had to kind of leave the uk to kind of grow you know and to somebody like me again thinking about the first time i went there to see that like wait you know, like, the people at the airport are Muslim, you know, like, the people, as he says, too, like, are... Pat- so, like, like why why is it? Is it still just, like, leftover fucking colonial bullshit? Sorry, I'm, like, swearing all over the place, but...
0: There is a lot of that, but honestly, I think the simple way of just understanding the problem that we have in the UK is that the population of Muslims is almost too dense, right? Hmm. It's become this, like, mosh pit of ideas and aggravated opinions, Oh, okay. No one wants to... And also you have to understand is that the, the culture in the UK is a lot more bland to the culture in, in, the, in the United States, right? Broadly speaking in society, not like just from a Muslim uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. So over here, it's a lot more understandable and acceptable for a young teenager to say, hey, I want to go and be an actor. Mm. Right, like the likelihood of that is slightly higher here in the United States than it is in the United Kingdom. Yes, right, because in the United Kingdom our approach, and especially the immigrant kind of approach there, has been very conservative. Right, generally speaking, like Muslims here in the United States, generally, of course, there's exceptions, but they're a lot wealthier. For example, they're a lot more established.
1: Yes, right, yes. the uncles
0: yes. that came here did okay, so their kids almost have that flexibility and freedom to be able to play around with ideas like, "Hey, let me be a music star or a, or a YouTuber." Right. Whereas in the UK, the population is a lot more poorer. In fact, disproportionately poorer in the UK as the Muslim community. And so these ideas become like very, they're like agitative, right? So someone like, for example, Gaz Khan and Riz Ahmed would really have to kind of like push past their own community, their own family members, their own peers to break through and say, listen, I'm just going to do me you know i'm not gonna fit in this box that you're trying to say that all muslims in birmingham are like this this is my experience right um and and so what ends up happening is there's a lot of conversation and and, and frustration and oh what did he do what was wrong should we support him oh he's an Ahmadi muslim so why are we gonna celebrate that and all that that happens in the uk a lot right Whereas in the United States, your guys' experience of these things happening is a lot more celebratory. You're like, "Hey, great! Like, we've got a Muslim director for once." To know what I mean, right? Mm. But the UK population is a lot more. It's just because of the population. It's just because there's just so many more people there. You you have the luxury to be a bit nitpicky, you know, about your representation.
1: I, I got you. I got you. Um,
0: that's that's kind of like one of the, the the differences that I've seen here, and like I guess like my. My mindset has shifted on that because I, I was almost previously trapped to that mindset as well, right, which is that a Muslim has to be a certain way, or that if we portray yeah. a Muslim even on the Muslim vibe, they have to be a certain way, right mm. So for example, they don't swear, but hey, guess what? there is a Muslim guy that does swear, you know mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't take away anything from his story or his experience to so all of a sudden now de-platform him or do you get what I mean or censor it out And that was the hardest honestly might and not I, feel I think. comfortable with it
1: that totally is also kind of what some of the, my podcast was about was struggling with that part, you know, with the like, how can, I, I know that I get to, I know that I am this thing, but there's some parts of it that like, I feel like I'm just not a very good one, <laughs> you know? So like, do I still even get to call myself that? Why do I even need to like, what is it that I'm doing in at some points, honestly, in my life? Like, what what other than in name does this this identity even mean to me you know um and i uh and yeah it wasn't until you know i think a lot of touring with my band meeting other kind of like fringe people like myself um going through a lot of kind of difficult mental health stuff and um and then yeah just sort of having whatever the experiences are of like your young adulthood where you realize that like oh maybe maybe this journey is kind of the point, you know? John, what would you say
0: to your teenage self today?
1: Mm. Oh, it's funny. I, I do, this is something people ask me all the time, and you would think that by now I would have a cookie-cutter response to this, but every time it gets me because it's such a... Mostly that, like... Just be you and don't like, don't worry so much about who what they think of you. And they means everybody at once, right? They means my parents. It means my friends. It means like society at large. It means later on, like music critics. It means, you know, people in college when I, you know, so it's just like, like you yourself are enough, I think. And that, that yeah. And just, just. Just be open with one person about exactly how you're feeling. I think those are the things I would have said to my teenage self.
0: Shahjan, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you um, so I'm much. Sure, I'm sure we're going to touch base again um, in the near future um, because I made a list actually before our podcast because obviously for, for listening to all the different episodes, I've made notes of like different things I want to speak to you about, Right um and it's it's just going to be too long to kind of fit everything in um Absolutely. so i definitely feel like we, we can have maybe one conversation specifically just around music or you know being being a desi muslim in america let alone just a, you know uh, a pakistani one and what, what various things look like i love i um, love
1: this is why i do this so it's, i'm down to do this anytime
0: Shah Jahan what's next for the the podcast um Rafelian, uh, yourself and, and how can people get involved?
1: Yeah, so um, our company Rafaelion is about to, uh, you know, launch into a round of sort of. Uh, we're a you know a very 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 small <laughs> operation, aka okay? mostly at the moment just two full time people. But we have a a team of, of folks that have uh, been working uh, on King of the World in particular. So we definitely have ideas for a season two. Uh, we're trying to like raise some money to make that happen. Uh, I will be co-hosting a show with, uh, Sadia Khan from the Immigrantly podcast. Uh, I'll be, we'll be doing a whole season together, uh, next year. Uh, musically, um, Gaminas are, uh, gearing up to hopefully release some new music, uh, in the coming year and do some more shows. I've also started playing with a new band called Ravi Shavi here in, um, in, uh, in Boston and Providence area. And you can find out kind of what I'm up to at, uh, shajahanhan.com on Instagram. Yeah, I'm doing all the things now. At Shahjistan. <laughs> I'm sure you'll put these in your notes or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm always doing something. Somebody like me, I just can't sit still for too long because then I just start to think about things, you know. And I, I just need to have, I just need to be busy with probably what sounds like way too much stuff to do. And I'm also doing a lot more acting. I just recently got to act in my first um, uh, Urdu uh, film mostly in Urdu about like a Pakistani couple having some pregnancy uh, issues. I got to play an uncle from the 90s, which was like a dream. No movie. way. And I got to have my dad hired. Were you wearing a brown kameez? I was not. I was actually wearing like a, a sweater and like a, um, you know, like had like a, t- like everything okay. at once. Okay. Argyle stripes. The tie. put together uncle. Yeah, put together uncle who's like reading a newspaper, smoking oh, a cigarette. I see. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was okay. kind of a dream role. I got to wear my dad's shoes. It was kind of cool. So yeah. So I'm 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 a creator in all in all senses of uh, of the word. So you'll be hearing a lot more from me and from us.
0: So that was our conversation with Shah Jahan. I hope you enjoyed it. I thoroughly did because one thing that I really liked about Shah Jahan is that he's very transparent and open about who he is and his beliefs and uh, the struggles that he's gone through um, in, in in a post 9 11 world. Um, in the podcast King of the World. He, he, he He's very open and honest about his struggles, uh, which I very much value and respect. It's something quite distinct actually to Americans and, and Muslim Americans, because of their experience being different, They and, and sometimes they kind of grow up in communities without even interacting with other Muslims. They're a lot more open about like what they're going through and, and, and sharing their, their thoughts and feelings. Whereas I feel sometimes the Muslim community in the UK, we feel that we need to put on a facade uh, to each other and hide the fact that we're struggling with issues and the fact that we're we're not perfect muslims and i don't necessarily think that's helpful like I, I get why we do that obviously we don't want to go around exposing everything every single thing that we do but at the same time a little bit of honesty i feel like can really help us uh you know come out of the situations that we're struggling with privately um, i do want to apologize if anyone was offended by the swearing um it's not usually that we do that on the podcast but you know what I was just like I'd rather have a natural conversation with someone and if that's how someone talks then that's how someone talks I don't want to censor them because it might offend um, uh, some people and I know it won't offend most of you guys so if it did offend you I do apologize um, we'll try not to do that again uh, but if it does happen okay this is just I'm just going on and on now isn't it really so it's probably best time to end the podcast guys please make sure you subscribe like comment all of the above and uh, let your friends know, let your family know. Send this to your mom, send this to your dad. We really want to get this podcast out there as far as possible. So your support is really appreciated. Thank you very much. Until next time, Assalamualaikum, alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.